the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffle Podcast, Episode 8. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Good morning, Sandra. Good morning. How are you? Good. I'm good. I just got off a weekend of a whole lot of fun. And uh, how, how about how was your weekend? It was good. It was it was another low key weekend. I did some chores, which I don't always do on the weekends, but I did some chores because there are only seven more school days for my children. And uh, yeah, and next weekend we have a big, well, they have a four day weekend break and we're going out of town and doing a bunch of fun stuff. So this weekend we kind of laid low, but um Oh my gosh, this morning though, when I was dropping my kid off for school, we both have kids that are graduating from middle school. I I don't know how you feel about (laughs) that, but I'm like kind of freaking out a little bit. And, um, and he has to cross the street. Uh, so he has to, you know, if he doesn't catch the, the, the blinking light, you know, then he'll just kind of hang out and wait you know, so he doesn't have to stand out there, feel, you know, self-conscious and dorky like middle schoolers do. Right. <laughs> or, so, or 46-year-olds, but go ahead. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so he, uh, we were waiting in the car and I looked at him and he, his face, I mean, I, I can look at my kid and I'm sure you can with your kid and I'm sure most moms can with their kids. And I could just see like there was a little like terror in his face and his mm. His eyes were even looking a little like he was kind of fighting back some tears. And I was like, are you all right, buddy? He goes, it's just a lot, mom. It's a lot. <laughs> like, I know, it's a lot. It I mean, it's a lot to take in. And I'm, I mean, I was so happy that he was actually experiencing the weight of it all. You know, it's not just, you know, he's got to finish the last few assignments and they've got you know, they're going to have a big field, like a huge field trip at a theme park. And, um, there's a, a picnic an eighth grade picnic and graduation. So all this stuff. Um, so there's a lot of activity, but then, you know, I think he was just feeling the weight of it. Like it's middle, middle school's over. <laughs> it's such a crazy, weird, funky time, middle school. Right. Oh, so yeah. I, oh, I know. We have a, we have a, like 900 things this week happening at school and um, yeah, <laughs> Friday night you. is grad night, which, um, much to my son's, um, chagrin, he was like, what do you mean parents are invited to grad night? So it's like a party, but parents are invited. He's like, that doesn't seem like wah, a party. Wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> my husband's like, yeah, we're real excited to go too, Grady. We're super excited <laughs> to go. <laughs> so that's our Friday night, this Friday night. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, tell me about your weekend. I know you had a fun, super fun weekend. <sighs> I had the best weekend. 
Um, so I wanted to just real quick, last week we talked about um, procrastination, productivity, and sobriety, and creativity. I just want to say I kicked last week's butt in the procrastination awesome. department. Yeah, I was on fire. As you know, I was texting you all week. I got stuff done for sure. And it felt so good. I finished my step 11, which I had been putting off for six weeks in terms of the writing for it. You know, I know Mm -hmm. it's daily prayer and meditation and you and I have been talking about that. And like Friday night, I just realized, you know, Friday nights are sometimes can be a wonky night for people who used to drink every Friday night. Right. So I started getting all my binders organized, like all my the unruffled podcast binder and my 12 steps and my hip sobriety school binder. And I was just totally geeking out like the legal secretary that I am Mm -hmm. or was. And I'm like, why am I putting this off? You know, why am I putting, I, cause I'm a little freaked out to finish the 12 steps, I think. And I think Mm. my resistance to the prayer and meditation is my resistance to finishing. Something feels um, like I know it'll feel good to finish. Mm-hmm. But for me, it also feels like when I'm done with that, I know there's some other work I need to do. And I think I'm putting that off, which is procrastination again. So everything was like swirling, my resistance, my procrastination habits. And getting those things done Friday night and making those silly little binders that I made just beautiful made me so happy. Oh, good. And it like set me, like my intention for the weekend, like, okay, quit resisting these things that help you. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why I do that. I kind of have, like to work against myself for a while until I can't do it anymore. And I have my realizations and it's all in whatever time it needs to happen. I know that works. But to really be have the intention and us talking about that last week really helped me. So I wanted to say thank you. Good. Yeah. Good. It was really, really good. Uh, but I woke up Saturday morning and I went to the Never Not Broken workshop. Um, at Love Story Yoga in San Francisco, mm-hmm. taught by Laura McCowan and Holly Whitaker from Hip Sobriety. And there was 80 other women there. Wow, that's so, that's crazy. So that's awesome. awesome. And people that listened to our little podcast came up Aww. to me and they were so nice. Um, they want us to keep talking about menopause. I will tell you that. <laughs> yeah, I will. <laughs> they, they totally do. I have do. a whole other thing. I have a whole... I will unload some more. Good. Go ahead. Good. Because I we <laughs> I got some connections there. They're like, keep talking about that. So I think we found um, our demographic for sure. Um, but the the workshop was just absolutely beautiful. And I went with some other gals and they all wanted to sit up front in the very front row. And that's not really my thing. I like to sit in the back. <laughs> right. So I sat in the back and ended up sitting next to some very nice people. And, um, my friend, um, from Portland flew in and she sat, I saved a map for her. It was just great. And I just want to tell you, there is a goddess of never not broken. And that's what the workshop was kind of loosely based on in terms oh, of, so awesome. she is amazing. So I encourage people, I don't want to ruin the workshop because Laura and Holly are taking it all around the country. Look up the goddess of never not broken and read about her. She is super rad. She stays broken for a reason and opens up her heart and she um she rides a crocodile so that's what i'm gonna say like you want to learn a little bit more about how awesome she is and basically she can be the goddess for all of us and it's so good we journal we cried we 
I did Kundalini, which I'm never going to do again. Um, <laughs> it was hard. <laughs> Is it hard? Oh my gosh. Holly was, um, they talked about Laura was the good cop and Holly was the bad cop, um, with the yoga. So <laughs> vinyasa with Laura and Kundalini with Holly. And I'm kidding that I'm never going to do it again, but it was hard. hard. <laughs> huh. So, yeah. Like on your body hard, like physically hard. Yeah. Like the, okay. bre- the breathing, mm, mm-hmm. um, the breath of never fire. D- I've never done Kundalini. Never done it. Well, I took Holly's Hip Sobriety School, and there's a whole section a week that we we're supposed to focus on Kundalini, and that's the section I just kind of skipped over mm-hmm. <laughs> because I resist things that are uncomfortable to me. So, right. So basically the workshop is sitting in your uncomfortableness and how we can mm-hmm. do that as sober women. And how right. you kind of need to, right? To get through sitting at a party where people are having a bunch of wine or sitting at a bar. Sure. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or being in a social Experience situation. Experience uncomfortable feelings. And sit yeah. with it. And sit right. through it. And so mm-hmm. we did some journaling. You know, we'd have prompts and writing time to journal a tiny bit. Not as much as I would have liked um, <laughs> because I was uncomfortable with the yoga. I'm like, oh, I would like to write. Right. Um, Laura called me out in front of the whole class about that. So um, <laughs> she was like, get back to the uncomfortableness. That's the task right here. You know, when we were fidgeting with our hair or when we were, you know, doing the things like, no, just really try to block everything out. So that was really challenging um, Mm. and a really good exercise. So it was a three hour workshop that was um, pretty, pretty magical. Well, they are coming here uh, on Monday, so yeah, they're just doing their world tour Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, in Austin. Um, So I saw the photos and they were Everyone looked so beautiful and yoga'd out. <laughs> um, but tell me, so tell me real quick about this crying thing. <laughs> Why is everybody crying? Um, <laughs> I mean, and I'm not trying to uh, be an ass or anything at all. <laughs> I just think about me, like I would be the one person not crying right. in the crying yoga and think something <laughs> was wrong with me. <laughs> well, okay, so... Speaking of that, so today is three months since my best friend passed away. Okay. And so I thought about her a lot in there. Yeah. But they kind of have you tap into some feelings, and the writing kind of surrounding that um, is probably why people were crying. You know? Okay. The labels that you think you are, who you really want to be, um, if you could let go of some of this stuff, you know, what, what, what would your life look like? It's kind of a little bit was like your name it journal some of the mm-hmm. stuff, you know, mm-hmm. if you could let go of all this stuff, who would you be? Like, right. What, and, and why can't you let it go? Cause it's kind of, mm-hmm. you have that power to do that. And so there was a really beautiful moment in at the end with the Kundalini exercise where you're kind of yelling and you do it for so long and it brings up and Holly's prompting you the whole way to get out your, not anger, just kind of some feelings And when you finally do let go and there's the power of all the women in that room and you can hear their voices, kind of like when there's a chant or something like a, a, like an ohm that's really powerful. Mm -hmm. This was like a different kind of power and, and it was, it was powerful and you had to kind of try to stay in the moment and not think. Mm -hmm. So she kept bringing you back, bringing you back to, you know, if you were wandering, which you did, she'd bring you back. And yeah, it was, it was, um. It was like very cleansing. It was very good. So afterwards I felt 
completely fatigued, totally spent. And me and my friend went to our hotel room and just ordered room service and were exhausted. <laughs> so, so I don't know that I cried that much. I did cry, but it was like, I just, you, your whole body was tired. Your mind and right. your body was just exhausted. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's a good experience. Yeah, it was. It was. And got to meet a lot of people from the home podcast that listen and got to meet people that follow me on Instagram. One gal came from Australia for the workshop. Whoa. Yeah, she's so awesome. And I got to have tea with her afterwards and a couple of her girlfriends from Washington. And they listened to the podcast and they had all nice things. I mean, it was just like this love fest. <laughs> that's great. It was really, really good. So, um, yeah, that was that was my weekend. How was yours? Like, what did, what fun stuff did you do? I well, yeah, like I said, not uh, you know, um, I, uh, I I read a lot. Some of that part I will save for our for Ooh. the end when we talk about our three things. Um, but yeah, I I was either reading or I was doing chores because it and, was raining or right? hanging out yeah it rained a lot and we went to the art store and the library so that was really fun that was those were the outings good. <laughs> those are good outings though yes yes my friend who's staying with me I met her at a workshop a writing workshop a couple years ago and um she uh crochets so Ooh. she's been doing this beautiful purple crocheting while we've been together in her handwork while we're sitting on the deck yesterday talking. And it's kind of meditative just to even watch her do it. Mm-hmm. So my grandma used to crochet. She, yeah, she used to crochet. She, she would sit, she, dinner was always served at five mm. o'clock on the dot every night. And then she would, um, clean the kitchen up and then she would go sit on the couch and crochet while my papa watched Lawrence Welk or, you know, <laughs> um, the news. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, that handwork. Yeah, the kind of keeping your hands busy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, should we talk about what we're today, what we're going to talk about? Yeah. Um, I guess that's why we're here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, designing and repurposing our lives kind of through thrifting, right? Kind of using that medium yeah. as a creative, as a creative um, backdrop for what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, it's a very specific topic, but one that is near and dear to both of our hearts. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Been threatening to talk about thrifting. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, we have for the lot for a couple of episodes. Um, so I was when we were thinking about this and talking um, between our, you know, among amongst ourselves. Um, I was saying to you that I felt like thrifting was my first like real and honest creative act as an adult. Like I felt like I walked into a thrift store and could get and like my mind just opened up. That's cool. I I like that whole sentiment actually. Yeah. Because I thrifted as a kid. Mm. Um, yeah. But go ahead. I want you to finish your thought. No, no, just that. Just that it was um, my sister thrifted. Um, my parent, my mom was not a thrifter um, when we were growing up. She is now, but she shops a ton, um, all different ways. But for me, I didn't really do that. I didn't really do that until maybe the last 10 years. Mm. Um and I think that was kind of a permission to start uh, getting creative. That um, gave me like a, this gateway. And when I, once that started, once it opened up, I it was like Disneyland. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, it does, it is more of a creative act, right? Than just going to, you know, like TJ Maxx, not that there's anything wrong with TJ Maxx, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it, it's, uh, you're forced to hunt and, or to creatively think out of the box a little bit, put things together, think about how you might repurpose something or use something in a different way than what it was intentionally first intentionally use like if you're going to repaint something or change the surface of something um yeah I thrifted um starting in high school because of course we've already talked about um Molly Ringwald was you know Mm -hmm. I really I really was Molly Ringwald, by the way. Yeah, you were the you Texan. Were I was the pink. Texan Molly Ringwald, mm-hmm. and you know, and so she made her dress and and sixteen candles, right? She pretty in pink. In pretty in pink, she made her dress. Yeah, right? yeah, but she had okay. great style in sixteen candles too. True. That hat. I mean, yeah. Oh, that's right. <laughs> she made her dress in pretty in pink. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, so I um we were lower middle class growing up. My, both of my parents worked in this, in in education. And, uh, so, you know, in high school, of course there were things that, um, you know, I'm sure it's the same for high school kids now, but there's usually like one or two items that are trending so hard that you think you will just utterly die unless you (laughs) have them, you know? And for me, especially I would say my freshman, it was more, this more applied to my freshman and sophomore year than it did my junior and senior year, but there were these, um, purple Jordash. So it wasn't just like regular. So there were the regular Jordash had been out for a while, but then they came out with this colored washed Jordash Mm -hmm. that had like uh, when you rolled them up, they were a color on the inside. I and remember. do you remember those? Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay. So I had, I don't even think I was that obsessed with just the regular Jordash, but when the colored ones came out, I thought I would literally die, completely <laughs> die if I didn't get a pair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, and I remember exactly, they were $60. I remember it exactly. And, um, that's a I lot. Got, yeah. Yeah. They weren't cheap. Even back they, in the day. Yeah. That's not, yeah, that's they not cheap. They were my cheap. first pair of Jordash I had to save up. They were 27. Mm, so these, yeah, these were like were $60 wow. at, um, you know, not on sale because they were like brand new, you know, like they were mm-hmm. like, they were not last season's trend. They were, they were brand new and I had to have them. And I think it was, I got them for a birthday or I, I, I got the purple ones for a birthday and maybe I got the pink ones for Christmas or something. So that was, you know, that was considered uh, a lot for my parents to spend on my wardrobe. Yeah. And so outside of that, I had to get pretty creative. Now, I started working, too, when I was 16. So I had my own money pretty pretty early, and I worked in the mall. I worked at Brooks Fashions in the mall. Um, I can but... totally see you right now at Brooks Fashions <laughs> in the mall in 1985, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, I but, see it. Yeah. Uh, I really wanted to work at Contempo Casuals, though. I'm just going to have to go ahead and I was, throw that out there. You just made me think. I was thinking the same thing. I always – I never could I be cool really enough wanted to, enough I was never to cool there. enough mm-hmm. to work at Contempo Casuals. I was Casuals. like hot dog on a stick, girl, so I was not 
Print info <laughs> casual is cool. So, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, but Brooks Fashions was right across the street from Contempo Casual, so I could mm-hmm. look out longingly. Anyway, <laughs> but back to thrifting, I had to get creative with the rest of my wardrobe, and um, I learned. So, so thrifting was my my way in to do that. It was, you know, probably my first experience in expressing myself, really. Um, and you know, I loved Madonna too. And, um, I remember my very first, uh, thrift find, like my great thrift find were these pair of rubber, um, Fiorucci boots. They were pointy toed, um, and they had like a little kitten heel and they were rubber, but they had, um, leopard, they were lined with like a leopard skin, um, uh, fabric mm-hmm. <laughs> and they looked they looked exactly like something Madonna would wear and um sold <laughs> yeah yeah I mean yeah and um but I would always pick up like awesome vintage cowboy boots you know and um so I really really like it it was it was my first creative act really just mm-hmm crafting my look. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I was not that creative. I was too afraid to be that creative. My sister was. My sister has such great style and always has. And she was into makeup and she was into cool music. She was always way cooler than me. I was kind of dorky and the rule follower and all that business. But she, she thrifted a lot and she always looked so cool. And I, uh, I, it didn't feel genuine for me back then. Now I love yeah. it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It was her, it was her thing, and I, I always aspired to be as cool as my little sister. Yeah, but couldn't quite swing it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, but when I, so I didn't really start thrifting until I had a really big need for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I sold my wine bar in 2008. So I was thinking about this when we were talking about this. I was doing the kind of when we were talking about what it was like, what happened, and what uh-huh. it's like now. And so I kind of that's when I was thinking about when us talking about this thrifting, like what it was like was that um, we sold the wine bar in 2008 and we, we got money from the wine bar, but we mortgage crisis, we owned a building that was underwater. So the, the wine bar we sold, but we still own the building. Things were not great for us. And my husband's a realtor, so the real estate market kind of crashed. And things were really tough. And so I thrifted out of necessity for our family. Like, I had to get creative um, in order to clothe my kid. And if I wanted a piece of furniture, like, one of my greatest um, thrifting victories that I'm still the most proud of, (laughs) I found this beautiful mid-century dresser that he converted into um, where we have our TV and our VCR and everything. And he repurposed it. I got it for three bucks. I love it. Beautiful. I like looked up the furniture maker um, immediately while I was at the thrift store. Mm-hmm. Knew it was a good brand. I asked the guy how much. It was missing a small drawer from the center. And so the guy said, uh, three bucks. So I sent a picture to my husband. I'm like, can you do something with this? And he could. And that missing drawer, he just made like a, a nice... Uh, it's almost like speaker material. He put a cover over it so you could put components in there and hide them. So I don't have to see any of my components. They're all hidden in drawers. 
mm-hmm. uh, or this little, what that he put this fabric over? Anyhow, we got so creative and we had, and we did a lot of stuff together at that time because mm-hmm. it was tough. Yeah. It was really yeah. tough. And that, it became like a sport for me almost like how, like a game or something. Like I would go mm-hmm. and Grady would wear whatever, you know, I could buy t-shirts for a quarter. I'm like, why am I going to go spend, Mm-mm. you know, 15 bucks on a t-shirt for a little kid? No. And he got to pick them out and we got, we got silly with that. And his preschool, you know, they couldn't wear, um, or they discouraged wearing anything, um, with a logo on it right? Uh, in terms of Disney or that kind of stuff. Right. So we just got silly with what we found and, you know, you could, you could just have a really good time at a thrift store with like five bucks in your pocket. Mm-hmm. And that became how I spent a lot of my time and how I could find things for my home. And it just really opened up things for me I, because of the necessity of it. I need, mm-hmm. I needed to make this work. I needed to go out and, um, clothe my family or if I needed I didn't do a whole lot of clothes shopping until recently for myself. It was mostly home and for Grady mm-hmm. and, until a couple of years ago where he didn't think that was so fun anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. They do when they get older, they become a little more aware of what they're wearing and yeah. yeah. yeah start and looking not, at not so much. I mean, he, not so much. He'll still go every once in a while and humor me, but before it used to be our thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, that, that makes me think of, you know, I, I think my grandparents had a lot of influence on me as well. They were, uh, they were homesteaders in Alabama and rural, rural Alabama. And, um, they were entirely self-sufficient. I mean, Mm. I, my mom talks about, you know, not having a dress from a store until she was, you know, much older. Uh, they, you know, they had their own animals. They had, they had their own giant, um, I call it a garden, but it was all, it was a small farm Mm -hmm. and, you know, they grew all of their own vegetables. They, you know, killed their own meat. They milked their own cows. They fed their relatives that all lived around them. And whatever they had left over, they sold to the local store. And, but they, you know, my granny baked her own bread and she made all of their clothes and quilts. And I mean, they were completely, entirely self-sufficient. And um, I learned so much from them, you know, that, that, that now, of course, you know, the seventies and eighties hit and my mom completely abandoned everything she's like why would you cook something from scratch when you have a microwave right I know my mom made a cake in the microwave and we just thought like I'll never forget that memory like we got the microwave and then she made this cake which was gross but at the time it was the best tasting cake we ever had because she could do it in the microwave but yeah I I remember that I know and you know and mom was like why you know there were department stores suddenly she's like Mm -hmm. why on earth would anybody make their own clothing when you could just go to a department store and so plus she you know she then she she also worked out of the home so Mm -hmm. there was you know the time factor as well but I did I learned a lot from my from my grandparents in that respect and you know and I think um just 
that and then thrifting for me it developed a little bit of a scrappiness in me you mm-hmm. know when I felt like there was something that was inaccessible to me I could just work with what I had you know if I had ten ten dollars in my pocket and I you know needed a particular outfit for a particular thing I could make it work <laughs> I love that right yeah I still love that now yeah that yeah, we can, that I mean, we can go and, like you said, like ten bucks in your me. pocket. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Isn't there a song? No, I'm just. Kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, and you know, and and that that attitude is what helped launch my little clothing line back in 2003. Um, it was something that I knew I wanted to do, and I couldn't afford to go and buy, you know, bulks of high end fabric. So I just started with what I could get and what was accessible to me. And that was when I started collecting um, silk scarves from thrift stores. And uh, that's that's what I my very first line that I made that I actually, you know, ended up getting a rep for that repped my line in Dallas was all entirely made out of out of uh, silk scarves that I picked up at at vintage stores and thrift stores. When I saw your rack of silk, silk scarves, I was, I couldn't (laughs) even believe it. How many you have? I have hundreds. hundreds. Yeah, I do. I wanted to like roll around in all of it. I wanted to just take them all down and roll. (laughs) Like it's so beautiful. And so, well, now it's like the section of the thrift store I go to first. Anytime I ever go to a thrift store now to this, Ah. so it's going on, you know, since 2003, I mean, I walked straight to <laughs> the scarf area of a thrift store and picked through it until I, I found uh-huh. a Pucci the other day. That was, that's a score. Yeah. That's funny. Score. So when I go to a thrift store, I immediately go for the um, vintage um, art and office supplies. Oh, funny. That's my that's first the, stop. That's your first stop. Yeah. <laughs> Yours are scarves. That's, this is not a surprise, really, to say these things out loud. Yeah. No, that, that seems Mine is scarves and then fabric. I'll go to the fabric section, too. Mm-hmm. And I found a ton of silk fabric. And that's another thing, too. Um, you know, when I started branching out of using um, scarves and started, you know, also using fabric as well, um, I have found some amazing silk at thrift stores most of it's mostly vintage and now to this day I don't know if people ever if 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 anyone knows this if you look at my the things I sell in my marketplace um those are all like everything I make is like I would say 98 percent recycled stuff I love that I like that about, about your um but everything that you make and that it yeah. has like this personal touch to it so it's it's such a creative um feeling right to wear something also that is made completely from something that is repurposed and reimagined and not you know a scarf but all of a sudden you have these awesome beautiful kimono that you've just that born out of that which mm-hmm. are so beautiful by the way thank you They're yeah so i mean beautiful. it forces me to work with you know, work with what I have. And so I kind of build these colorways with, you know, different patterns just based on what I, based on what I have. Um, and 
to me, it just, I don't know, it feels even more of a creative act for me. Yeah. And I think I was, I was thinking about when I, when I thrift. So when you, when I go and I have my certain little spots that I go to, and when I say thrift, I also go to some consignment stores too. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But so it's kind of like, you don't know what you're going to get, right? It's like an adventure. Like you have to kind of just be open and you hope that I, at least I hope that I have my thrifting mojo on the day that I go out and exactly something will, the universe is working in ways when you are thrifting of bringing you what you need or you, the thrift goddess is either with you or (laughs) with somebody else that day. (laughs) Right. Um, But I also feel like for me, I had some control too. So at a time in my life, um, back when things were super hard and I mean, I was going and lining up at the food bank. I, um, went and bought a, a bread maker at the thrift store so that I could make bread for my family. Um, I went to a bread outlet for a while to buy bread. Um, these were things that I should not be ashamed of. And I'm not saying that if anybody goes and does that, they, I, it was just hard for me to, to do because I hadn't done it before. Because you'd never done it, yeah. Yeah, and there's no shame in it. But I mm-hmm. had to get, have my new normal. And thrifting helped me have that new normal, which made me feel like I had control. Um, I could go and clothe my kid. I could go buy a bread maker for 20 bucks instead of buying one online for 160 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, I could, I read a bunch of blogs and found bloggers that I'm now friends with that had bread recipes that they shared. And so I still make the same loaf of bread that my friend Nikki in Montana told me how to make 10 years ago. And I felt when I walked into the thrift store, it was like, okay, what can I create? What can I what can I do with 20 bucks here? What can I, um, how can I furnish my living room? Right. How can I get some new, uh, style going up in there mm-hmm. <laughs> with pillows or a blanket or something? So it just mm-hmm. satisfied a need for me to kind of nest in my home mm-hmm. and growing up how, how my mom did that was she rearranged furniture. Like, mm-hmm. like she is the queen of rearranging furniture. So I already knew how to do that, but I just needed it's almost like it was like therapy or something. Like I needed a little retail therapy, mm-hmm. but I couldn't go get it the way that I normally did. Right. And since I used to own a store, I could buy everything at cost. Um, it made me just look at my um, what what could I get rid of from my habits? Like what what could I shed, and how mm-hmm. could I reincorporate it into a way that was creative, that was um, not so wasteful of just buying new things and, and it had my own style and stamp on it. And mm-hmm. my husband did not love some of these, um, experiments that I did in the home. <laughs> he, he, I always tease him. He should have married a Scandinavian woman who would have oh. everything very sparse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you married the wrong woman. That's um, I'm not her. You said that. I'm not her. <laughs> Because I'm not either, mm-hmm. but my husband, I think, would probably prefer, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. So Steve would come home, he's like, what is this on the porch? Why do you have this big metal thing with all these pots and plants on it now? Because I would just, I just wanted to pretty up the porch. Um, so I did get a little out of hand there for a while. <laughs> I've reeled it back in. <laughs> but picture frames and throws and cast iron, beautiful, um, Le Creuset pots. I, mm-hmm. over time I've collected, and now, you know, when you thrift a lot, you know, the good stuff, 
Oh, right? exactly. A Marameco exactly. tablecloth. Oh, I'm all over that, right? You mm-hmm. know what you're looking for. Um, oh, it's true. It's <laughs> true. I can just kind of thumb through a, uh, you know, a row of blouses and find the silk ones pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Or find the real, the real prints of thing, you know, mm-hmm. I, I can skip past the, the, the mall stuff pretty quickly mm-hmm. and find the good stuff. Yeah. Well, when I was doing this, I was thinking about this when we were talking about this show. Like when I was thrifting, my drinking was at an all-time high. So that was the what was it like. So I entertained a ton. And so mm-hmm. mainly when I went into thrift stores, I did look at the vintage art supplies, but I also looked at glassware. That was kind of my mm. – and dinnerware and tablecloths and more things to entertain and platters. And, oh, we're going to have – I'm sure we're going to have 12 people over next week, so we, I might need to get more – I would buy vintage napkins and linen napkins and that became my obsession for a little while. Mm-hmm. And I bought what I started collecting. So what happened was I started collecting crystal decanters, mm. really beautiful crystal decanters. Mm-hmm. And this is around the time. So this was like the last year of my drinking. So this has been gone on for a while, but so in 2014, I collected these beautiful crystal decanters and oh I, I want you to know I I posted them a lot on Instagram. Um because you know, as you do when you're drinking mm-hmm. like a crazy person. Um so I would me in a martini glass and my crystal decanters and I made little name tags for them and I got it all beautiful and I had this hutch that had um, my friend called it my altar to alcohol. It was just everything. Oh, it was like your bar. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. And it was the most beautiful crystal martini glasses and my everything, just everything. It's taken down now, so I can't even, I don't even want to remember what was on it. But these decanters were important for, they symbolize something for me of what happened. So what happened was I started filling them, right? Tequila, vodka, bourbon. And I started filling them and getting rid of the bottles. And then I would drink a lot. I would drink a lot of bourbon was my deal at the end, bourbon and vodka. And I would have to refill them so that my husband didn't notice. Right. How there much I drank. No, uh, there was no marking system. No. <laughs> right. So if you were just going by the bottle with a label on it, you could say, well, you know, it was up here at the top of the label and now it's down here in the middle of the label. <laughs> well, even, I- even that, I didn't, I don't even think, I just thought I need to refill this before he realizes, mm-hmm. you know, it's gone. By the way, he wasn't paying attention or counting my drinks because he's, no. not, he's not one of us. So he, it was all in my head. So what ended up Well, did you, oh, oh, quick question though. Did you realize that you were being sneaky about that then? Yeah. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. that's what happened. So I started doing this thing. Like, I think you asked me before about my bottoms and there's kind of a certain uh, series of bottoms for me. And, and it was my CVS moment where I started buying liquor every other day at CVS before I picked Mm -hmm. up my kid from school. And I would go in there and I would get Maker's Mark or I would get vodka and I would get in the same gal's line and buy it because I didn't feel like she judged me. That to me felt like one of my bottoms. Like, really? 
I'm, I have to come here every other day now and be embarrassed and or think about which line I'm going to get in and that this gal checked me out just two days ago and I'm back already. And it just started making me think like how much I was drinking. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like how that made me feel. I felt sneaky when I would go put the bottles out in the recycling. Yeah, I knew something wasn't right with this whole scenario. Mm-hmm. And all my friends drank. Everybody that I socialized with drank. I don't know to what end for them, but I always felt like, well, everybody drinks. Everybody does this. But I was drinking so much every single night and having to refill those decanters. Mm-hmm. And, ha- and they're in my living room, so they're staring at me all the time. And so I, when I stopped drinking, those were those three decanters that I was so proud of and I had thrifted and they're so beautiful. And when I dismantled the altar to alcohol and put them in my garage, I want you to know, I still haven't gotten rid of them. I don't know mm. if something's going on there. But I took them out of the house and that was like a, like a, like a farewell. <laughs> like, like, okay, that was a really sad time. That was, mm-hmm. that was, um those decanters symbolize something and I'm not quite ready to get rid of them. And I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not because I want to drink, but there's something even sadder about it. I'm not sure the fact that I hunted for them and I was so proud of them and I displayed them the way that I did. I don't know. There's something more going on there that I'll have to think about more, but that's how I use my thrifting, you know, to kind of further my drinking career too. Well, I have an interesting story about, about, uh, you know, the glassware and all of that. We have a, a vintage pie safe, um, in our kitchen and that's what held all the glassware. And a lot of that glassware was thrifted as well. And it held all of the liquor bottles and, um, and probably, I guess I was about six eight months sober, something around there. And I kept walking by it. I mean, it's in the kitchen. It's right across from the refrigerator. You, you have to walk by it. Um, and, you know, but it was one of those things that, you know, it was like, this is bothering me, but I'm not ready to change it yet. <laughs> yeah. And, um, And then I just, I got a burst of energy one weekday, dropped my kids off at school and I cleaned out the entire thing and, um, replaced all that glassware and the bottles and everything with, um, vintage cookbooks. And so now, uh, and I took the before and after pictures of it and that was just Mm-hmm. Oh, that feeling's just like, I can't even, you know, if you've cleaned out your bar area, if you've done that yet, how good it feels and replaced it with something that makes you happier, like cookbooks. Yeah. And, um, and like I said, most of those are, we, my husband and I both actually like to pick up interesting vintage cookbooks. We really love the church cookbooks, you know, the, the, yes. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Casseroles yeah. and jello molds and all that. We love those. And uh, so now it's just, uh, it makes me, it still makes me happy. A couple re- of years later, you reclaimed still makes it. me happy. Yeah. Yeah. And you still repurposed makes, it. Still makes me very happy. Now, that pie safe, is that something you found at a thrift store? It was, uh, I 
believe it was my mother-in-law's and she uh, gifted it to my husband a, a while ago, probably before we even dated. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. So it's, you know, it wasn't necessarily from a thrift store, but it's vintage, you know, it's vintage. We don't have a lot of brand new furniture actually. Um, even now that I'm even looking around at it, I mean, we yeah. don't, we have a couple of Ikea pieces, but even those we bought from people that were moving in the neighborhood that, you know, and they were practically new things. Um, we, yeah, we only have one thing. We have our dining room table that we bought when we got married, but everything else, every big piece of furniture in my house is from a flea market, um, secondhand consignment mm-hmm. or thrift. Yeah, same here. Yeah. Oh, my couch was new. My couch was new. I yeah. love it though. Like I have a big, beautiful teak desk that I bought at a thrift store um, that I absolutely love. And I went through a few desks. So my husband, I come home and he's like, what? Another desk? I'm like, I'm getting rid of the old one. This one's staying. So this one is the final <laughs> one. But there was a couple before that um, that I just couldn't pass up. Um, <laughs> um, but real quick, back to the 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 hutch with the alcohol, because I know some of our listeners probably have bars or situations because there's a whole ritual Mm -hmm. for making a drink, right? Or uncorking a bottle of wine or doing all of that. Um, it was around my six months that I did that. It Mm -hmm. was after, um, it was around the time because between six and seven is when I started toying around with thinking I wanted to drink again. Mm -hmm. And my birthday was coming up and all the holidays. And, um, and when my friend said that to me, I said, I feel I'm just like, I can't stop thinking about it. Like I keep thinking like Friday nights are so hard and I keep thinking, and that's when she goes, that's because you have an altar to alcohol in your living room. Mm-hmm. You have to look at it every day. It's going to seep into your, even if you're trying, if you, if you're not focused on it, right. it's there. <laughs> and I, it it's had the elephant in the room. <laughs> and it's huge and it's red and it's this hutch. And I was like, yeah, how did I not even think? I mean, it didn't occur to me. Uh, anyhow, so I listened to Gretchen Rubin's um, Happier podcast, and she had this whole thing on the power hour, which I'm mm-hmm. a big fan of a power hour. And what that is, is basically, you're just going to power through like what you did with your with your pie safe, you're going to power through a project for an hour. And if you can have an accountability partner, it's even better. So I called up my sister. And I said, can you do a power hour with me? And she already, cause we've been talking about this. So she was going to do her bedroom closet or her bed or what was at the foot of her bed. I said, okay, in one hour, let's call each other. And so I did that all in one hour and I did take pictures too. Cause I think we're alike. And it was really remarkable, like putting books up there and, and some pictures and like changing it. It changed the room. It mm-hmm. changed the feeling so much. Whereas I still thought my bar was really beautiful with all that pretty glass and beautiful ice buckets um, that I'd gotten at thrift stores and just everything. But to have that all gone, I tucked away some of it because my husband still drinks. So I tucked away some of it behind the the doors, but I didn't have to see it. Right. It was just this new thing. And I did it in one hour and I felt a thousand pounds lighter. Mm -hmm. And it was just, I highly recommend anybody listening that's in early sobriety. Yeah. Clean out your bar. Get rid of it. Get <laughs> out rid of sight, it. out of mind. It does help mm-hmm. a, a lot. Take all that stuff to Goodwill. Someone will buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. While Someone you're there, <laughs> buy, buy a bunch of pretty teacups and, 
and restock it. <laughs> well, I've been buying, speaking of, I've been buying um, some kind of vessels for hot water, some really beautiful teapots with copper um, kind of cozies that I have, a cozy that goes over it that's beautiful for hot water that I got at a thrift store. Ooh. And so, yeah, I just kind of changed my um, habits, and we didn't entertain anyone in our home for the first year of my sobriety, not one dinner party, not anything. So that need for me when I was going thrifting changed. I, I had, I started focusing more on art supplies and really kind of getting into that, that instead of looking for um, cut crystal and decanters and things like that. I find myself walking over in those sections and I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> Get out of here. Oh yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I keep having, it's in my name it. Um, journal, but I keep having these visions of these dinner parties that I want to have. Um, I don't know how realistic this would be to do in Texas because it's hot, like, you know, 80% of the year here. But so maybe it's something that I could only do in winter and spring, but I keep envisioning having these dinner parties at a big long table outside mm. and um, all the glassware and the cups and the uh, plates and all that are mismatched and thrifted and the cloth napkins are all mismatched and thrifted and the linens are and I just I keep it's in it's in my journal mm -hmm. I keep envisioning this this thing so it's gonna ha I'm determined that it's gonna happen but I haven't started shopping for it yet um <laughs> But I'm going to, I like and it. because it's uh, that that option is available to me, right? Uh, and the meetup that I'm having too, um, yes. in a couple of weeks, we are um, Jen and I are looking for little uh, things to plant succulents in, and so we're getting like little mismatched, you know, cups and you know planters and whatnot. But we're we're um, scouring thrift stores right now looking for little stuff like that you made me laugh so hard this week when I know I, I was sending you pictures <laughs> you said <laughs> I kept sending you pictures of succulents in different vessels and you're like I'm trending right now <laughs> I'm basically just I'm trending right now by the way <laughs> like you totally are Sandra you actually are Oh, okay. So if people are in Austin and are listening to this, can anybody go to this meetup or how do they find out uh -huh. about it? Or... Yeah, it's going to be um, June 11th and I will put something on my Instagram too, but it's going to be June 11th cool. and uh, which is a Sunday morning and we have to do it from 10 to noon and, you know, to beat the heat here because actually it's been very cool this last week, but it's going to get hot. So, um, but yeah, I'll put, I'll put some information out on my IG if you're in Austin. Yeah. And so you're, going, and, you're getting teacups and vessels and things from thrift stores. Is that you're kind of scouring yeah, things? Yeah. 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 I cannot wait to see. Planting party. It's going to be fun. I'm going to have FOMO of that since I now just know what that is. I'm going to, I'm going to have that. <laughs> I know. Um, I know. After, so we talked about this, um, episode I got inspired last week to go consignment store shopping and I sent you some pictures from the dressing room, yep. which I'm sure you were super excited about. No, nope, um, I was, I was, <laughs> I believe me, you, you sent them at the right time. I was sitting Good. through a, uh, some gymnastics performances. <laughs> I'll leave it at that, but 
Well, you're welcome. <laughs> and it was so great because I, I don't go into this um, consignment store very often because uh, it can be a mixed bag with personalities and with uh, what they have. And, but I had a full, my son was at the library and I had like an hour and a half to kill. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to go see what I can find for summer. And I had a really open mind and of course looked at labels and I had such good luck and I thought I got 10 outfits, but I got nine, I say outfits, I got nine things that I could make outfits with. Um, and I spent a hundred dollars, which was like I said, more than my thrifting budget that I allow myself. But um, when I thrift, it's like things are two, three, four bucks, maybe five bucks to nine dollars for a pair of jeans or something. I don't spend more than that. But at a consignment store, I have nicer things. But I got this beautiful North Face dress, kind of, I don't know what you would call it, like for summer, I guess. Like if you're going to go hiking, you could wear this dress. It's kind of a, a racer back, a good bra in it. Black, mm. black kind of goes um a little bit above the knee a sporty dress like maybe sporty spice would wear i don't know yeah like that. yeah i don't know <laughs> but these dresses are like 90 bucks and i you bet know, yeah. everything on this rack was half off so it was 15 and i was like yep that's going home with me and i got a really cool wrap dress that i love i cannot wear wait to wear it because i love a wrap dress um and just this beautiful ann taylor um it's not silk. I thought it was silk, but it's not. But it feels like silk to me. Mm-hmm. Um, blouse. And I just got scores, just total scores. And I felt like 100 bucks is a lot for consignment and thrifting for me. But I thought about how much you would spend at a mall for that many things. Oh, for sure. I mean, I wouldn't. I just would not buy it. I just wouldn't buy it. But I felt like, okay, I'm going to go through all my drawers now. I'm going to reorganize, get rid of, because when you bring something in, I do need to get rid of some stuff because, and like I talked about, I'm neat on the outside and I'm a hot mess on the inside of my drawers and closets. It looks, I'm even too embarrassed to take a picture. So, (laughs) but that's what I'm going to do this week. That's my, um, that's my little test since I went out and acquired well, and don't you feel like too, it's, it's, um, I mean, I don't know if you think about this consciously. I, I do though, you know, I feel like it's one of the one ways that I can contribute or cut down on the destruction of this planet because my God, we're going to mm-hmm. all have to pull our weight, you know? Yeah. And I recycle and, you know, but I'm guilty of buying, you know, water bottle every now and then I'm you know I drink a ton of sparkling water you know I recycle all that but you know I used um, disposable diapers I did <laughs> I try yeah, not I to use starf I try not to use styrofoam I drive a big I drive a big big car I do <laughs> Well, you're in, Texas. you're in Texas. I feel like you kind of have I'm to. I'm very Texan and I drive a big ass car. And, but, you know, so, I mean, so I try to do what I can do. And I just, I really, I feel like, um, you know, I do kind of have this global awareness going on a little bit when mm-hmm. I thrift. I feel like, you know, it's the one thing that I can do. If I can buy it used, um, I mean, sometimes I need you know, a black shirt and, and it never fails. If you're out at a thrift store and you have to, you're looking for something specific, you will not find it. <laughs> you <laughs> right. won't find it. <laughs> right. I, had, I used to carry a list with me. Um, 
a physical list that I wrote down and just like to be on the lookout for. Uh-huh. I mm-hmm. do that too. Yeah. I do that too. I definitely do that. So it's not, if it's not something that I absolutely need, but it's something I would like to add to my wardrobe, like a black, a black tank dress or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just, I'll keep, I'll have a little list going of things I want to look for whenever I hit the thrift store. But you know, I just feel like it, it, it contributes to my whole mindset of, you know, create versus destroy. Yeah. And um, I try to just carry that. I try to carry that's like a little mantra I, I try to carry with me at all times. And that's one way I, 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 I do it. I like that. I, I, I'm with you. I felt like, again, for me, part of thrifting is control. So I had control over the environment or what I was bringing into my home. Um, I drive a 17 year old car and I'm going to drive that thing until I can't drive it anymore. You know, I mm-hmm. just, I realize I don't have a new car. I justify things that way too. When I do purchase something like I just bought a brand new pair of awesome jeans because mm-hmm. I tried thrifting jeans and I have tons of thrifted jeans in my, in my closet, but none of them were quite right. And I was going to that conference in New York and I was like, I need actually a good pair of jeans. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went and, and bought a gorgeous pair. I bought an orange pair too, actually. So, nice. um, <laughs> I don't know if that was very eco-friendly, but, um, but for the most part I get, it's good for the environment, but it's also good for like my soul. Like I feel exactly good when I do it. I feel right. like I haven't been, um, wasteful I feel like I've been creative and that makes mm-hmm. me happy yeah yeah really yep. that's exactly what I was saying yeah yeah um so a lot of my art supplies I wanted to say because people who are if you're listening and I met some gals this weekend at the workshop they were so sweet I had tea with them afterwards and they were talking about you know they make gratitude lists but they don't do it every day and they were inspired by some of the stuff I do and we're talking about making art Thrift stores are a great place to find vintage supplies, old, um, I buy a lot of old ledgers, like, um, accounting ledgers. I buy index cards, um, old library, um, catalog systems or the plastic boxes that you hold index cards in. I buy clipboards, colored pencils, frames for art, um, fabric. Like you said, when I was doing embroidery or trying to do that, I, I have a, I have a thrift store that's all for crafting. I was just going to mention ours too. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, no, the, it's run by the senior center. So the ladies, sometimes it's a, it's, <laughs> they can be a little cranky, the volunteers that work there with us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if we don't do, they like things how they like it. And, um, but things are so cheap there. So I'll let you talk mm-hmm. about that because that is a great place to go find stuff. Yeah, we have one that just opened too. So it's a nonprofit. Um, and so they don't have, uh, the, they have, perfectly fine hours, but for instance, they're closed today. Um, and I think they're closed on Sundays. Um, but it's called Austin, uh, creative reuse and what's their tagline, fostering conservation and reuse through creativity, education and community building. But it is the Mecca of, of, um, all kinds of creative supplies. They have, they have fabric, they have thread, they have yarn, they have, you know, pens, markers, um, paper. Ugh, it's wonderful. And you can fill up an entire bag, you know, for 10 bucks. It's I amazing. I go there when I come yes. back. Yes. <laughs> when you come back, we'll go there. Let's do a field trip. <laughs> yep, we're going. 
Oh. Yeah, you would you you're gonna have to yeah, you'd have to have space in your suitcase because <laughs> Well, even just to go and go get a little inspired. Nuts. You know, because mm-hmm. sometimes I don't go to a thrift store necessarily to buy things. True. I mean I might I might I'm sure. Sometimes I'll just go, I have my favorite one and if I have time, that's where I usually find all my good Danish uh furniture, teak furniture and desks and, and, and vintage office supplies. I'll just go if I have time. I don't need anything. But I get inspired when I go in there. Either the how they um uh, merchandise the store they have a good merchandiser that does their store and it's just fun to go in look at books oh I haven't you know I bought a couple um, spiritual books there that you know you never know it's a hit and miss with books anyway in a thrift store right you don't know what you're going to get um, but things that maybe I wouldn't have purchased and I found them there and I pick them up for a buck or something but it's always mm-hmm. like a surprise but I don't have to go in there and get anything either I can just go and get kind of inspired like oh I have a bunch of this at home why don't mm-hmm. I do this with it? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. You remember things that you already have. Yeah. <laughs> let's go home yeah. and thrift shop at my own house uh-huh. in the back of my garage. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, you know, my son is actually, he still likes to, th- he still likes to thrift shop, but my daughter really loves it. She has, uh, she's already just an expert thrifter. She has found you know, vintage cabbage patch dolls that I swear we could sell on eBay for (laughs) a couple of hundred bucks. And she even the other day she picked up, she loves books and journals and stuff. You, you, she's your, your, (laughs) she really is your other child (laughs) (laughs) because she loves making books and she loves buying journals. And she bought a journal the other day that was completely blank had not even one page had been written in but the outside was it's kind of 80s floral and it had a p on it and she just repainted the cover and wrote and painted on chloe's book or something like that and just completely repurposed the cover so cute. and made it her own i know I know. I do love that girl. Mm-hmm. I hope we'll be um, corresponding more this summer like we did last summer. Yes. I'm sure I look forward to that. Um, do you have any other closing thoughts? Or do you no. Think we I think we talked a lot about thrifting. I mean, you know. I hope people like up. it. It's going to come up again. I think I think our listeners will, will resonate with this one. I really do. Okay, so want to wrap up the show and talk about our three favorite things for the week? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, okay. So I'm going to start. Go ahead. Um, there's this artist named Amanda J. Grace on Instagram, and that's her mm-hmm. Instagram handle. Her too. She has this LetterPod subscription, and it is incredibly beautiful. I um, she mails you this letter pod. It's kind of like a seed, and then she's planting it all over the world by sending these out to people who subscribe. And it is all of her art and her soul, and just it is this gift that you get to open. So a friend gifted one to me, and I loved it, and I love her work, and I want to support her. So I subscribed, and I got my first letter pod last week. And I was going to open it on Friday and I saved it because I didn't have enough time. And I know that it's pretty from the last one that I got. There's a it's lot like, in it. Totally. Mm-hmm. So you want to sit down and kind of savor the whole thing. So I took it with me to San Francisco and I opened it up Sunday morning in our hotel room with my friend and kind of unfolded. And it was like it just kept going, kind of like a little Pandora's box, like all these little treasures that were mm. as you unfold the envelope. She makes all the envelopes, too. 
as you unfold it, more is revealed. Just it keeps coming. So she wrote me this beautiful handwritten personal note on like parchment paper. And then you open it up and there's a beautiful piece of art that she made. So she Mm. duplicates some of these things for the letter Mm -hmm. pod so that she sends them out to dozens and dozens, probably hundreds of people. Um, But it all is on a theme. Mm. And when I opened it up, the theme, of course, was resistance. Oh, wow. (laughs) I started crying. I looked at her beautiful art. She had this redheaded, beautiful woman um, that was the art piece, which made me think of you. And then the woman in the hotel with me is my redheaded friend, uh, my ginger friend, Angie. And there's just something about you redheads that I just love (laughs) my creative soulmates. And so when I see this, I start crying. Then there's just little bits and bobs, all of it relating to the theme that she's handmade. Mm. Our art, written words, little notes, um, a prayer, um, and then a two-page handwritten letter that she duplicates to give to everyone. But of course, she writes handwrites your name at the top. But it's written in a way that reveals stuff about her mm-hmm. and her journey without telling you what her struggle or her... You could relate your own life to it. It's written in such a beautiful way that it t- translates to whoever would mm. read this letter. Um, right. She doesn't burden you with something is what she was purposeful about doing it. Yet she has you think about it's almost like a fill in the blank. Like you could put your life circumstances into this letter. Anyhow, it was all about resistance, which I have been resisting so many things. And so to open that up yesterday and um, kind of start my day that way and just see the beauty that traveled all the way from Ireland and made it to me here in town and how I've connected with somebody through Instagram, beautiful, the whole thing, beautiful. I think each letter is like 1750, I think US dollars. There it's there. I've seen, seen them on her Instagram and they're so beautiful. They are so beautiful. I, yes, I'm, I'm really super intrigued to buy these. I'm intrigued to buy the whole idea. It made me start to brainstorm about some kind of little thing I would like to put together. That's, you know, not copy, but, you know, borrowing some of her ideas because it's such, such a cool thing. I love it's it. So It's so interesting to me that, yeah, she's all the way in Ireland in her studio making these very personal works of art yet translates like the human condition, right? So that's the connection and that she mails them out there. She calls them letter pods. So they're like seeds that she's planting and, mm-hmm. they, and they go out into the world every month. So that was the May and she gave me a little piece of waxes in there, and she gives you some little instructions for you to um, kind of melt that over a piece of paper and let all of your... So this is right after the workshop, right? I have the workshop Saturday. And write down all of your thoughts, everything that you've been resisting. Keep writing. Don't stop. Have it be one continuous um, piece of writing. Just keep your pen on the paper and just write, 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 write. And then when you're done maybe add watercolor or acrylic to it is what she suggests to make it beautiful. Like these are to make it more beautiful. Have you honor it. Okay. Yeah. Make it as a piece. So it's just like, there's so many different layers in this little tiny envelope. When you unpack it, it's just, it's full. And then you feel really full. So, okay. That's a long explanation. I just cannot gush about her enough. Um, so she's Amanda J grace on Instagram. 
Yeah, I love that. I love, love, love that whole that whole project she's doing. I love it. I mean, talk about uh, this is just such a great time for artists, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right now, because you can, you can, you can make your own platform. You don't have to wait for a museum to accept your work now. Absolutely. You can you can just do your own damn thing. And <laughs> I just love it. You yeah. know, it's this such a beautiful time for artists. Um, okay. My first one is, I mean, going way back to the basics, but um, I really have used the my texting and direct messaging and emailing and phone calls with my sober girls. Um, I've relied on that tool a lot this week. Hmm. Uh, we had like a texting frenzy on Friday <laughs> because we were like, boom, we're getting stuff done. And we were just being extra funny. And I won't even regale everyone with how hilarious we are. We but really are. We really we are. are. <laughs> you should just know that we are. Um, but I really, that was a big... That was a big tool for me this week. So you, it, it you, is a huge tool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I need real life, but man, you know, God works through technology and <laughs> thank God for these little devices because I have, um, you know, I have support at my fingertips and it's just, it's just amazing. That's been huge in my recovery too. Yeah. The texting. I put that a lot on my gratitude list because, yeah, uh, I had an old phone for a while, um, which someone affectionately called my iPhone Zero for a while. And um, when I got this new phone, I thought it was too fancy and, you know, (laughs) I wouldn't use all the bells and whistles. But it has has helped me to communicate really effectively with emojis. I will say that. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I couldn't use emojis before. And... It's yeah, powerful, powerful. Every single day, that's a, that is a, a huge tool in the toolbox. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, that was my first one. Um, my next one's a little silly, um, but since we're talking about women of our age and this demographic, I'm really loving um, the Instagram stories from Rich Roll, mm. and he is a podcaster and like, uh, what is it? The Ultra. He does the Ultra. Yes, he's an ultra athlete. Athlete, like does it all. I don't really need to know too much about him. I know he's sober. I know that he did this ultra athlete thing when he was 40, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, I just kind of like to watch his Instagram stories because he doesn't wear a shirt a lot. Easy on the eyes. Easy on the eyes. (laughs) He's always working out and sharing his workouts, which I'm not doing any workouts, obviously, um, except for yoga like twice a year. So it's my little um, guilty pleasure. Mm-hmm. I'll just see him sh- pop up in my Instagram stories, and I'm like, oh, what's Rich Roll up to today? Oh, he's swimming. Okay, that's nice. Oh, he's going for a run. Oh, he's all sweaty now with no shirt on. So I know my husband edits this show and does the sound, so I know he might hear this. I'm okay with that. Um, so I, I, I don't listen to Rich Rold's podcast and I know I should, I've had several recommendations. I know it's I good. You listen to it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to ruin it for myself. So I kind of like, it wouldn't Instagram. ruin it. It would make it, it would make it more intense if anything. 
<laughs> so you might not want to listen to it. So I'm just going to be vulnerable and share that with the listeners today. So if you want a little eye candy, you don't even have to turn on the volume. You don't even have to turn up the volume. You no, can just watch right. for a minute if you just need that to get you through the day. So that's what I'm going to confess today. That's a good one. Yeah, that's like your number that two. <laughs> Okay, well, my number two is, uh, it's going to sound a little silly at first, too. This just goes to show how much can change in a week. But um, in one of our texting frenzies, you know, we were both like, boom, we're getting it done. And I said, yeah, it's because we're in the yang lunar phase. And you're like, I don't even know what you just said. But okay. Um, So here's a small rabbit hole that I have dived into recently. And um, and I actually haven't taken a complete nosedive. I'm just sort of holding it loosely in my hand. But here's what I am figuring out. So last week we talked, I was talking about how I'm a more fluid worker. Like I, you know, um, I can really pound things out, but then it's not sustainable to me. And then I listened to this podcast um, and I can't even, man. She was on the Lively show, but I'll link it maybe. I might link the podcast, but it doesn't really matter where I listen to her because um, – but her name is Dr. Ezie Spencer, and she has a um, an IG account called Lunar Abundance, and she's from Australia. And she, she wrote a book too. Haven't gotten the book. Just look at her IG. That's all I do. But she had explained um, – the lunar energies better than anybody I've um, had explain them ever. And after like kind of listening to her podcast, listening to her interview, looking at her IG, I, I kind of had a aha moment and it was, I think I work this way already. And so basically what it is, is the, the moon sort of cycles in and out between a yin and a yang phase And I don't even know, um, I can look on her, if you look on her IG, it'll tell you if the moon is in a yin or a yang, it kind of, it, but it, um, it goes three, three to four days, three to four days in yin, three to four days in yang. And a yin is, um, uh, a phase where you sort of like pull back a little bit you, um, you know, in exercise, you may do a little more yoga, you may do a little more reading, it's the kind of phase where you're sort of filling your cup, you may sleep more. And in the yang phase, you have more bursts of energy. Ah. And um, yeah, yeah. And after I, uh, like, like, like I said, even the small, um, you know, time I've spent like checking out what she had to say about this. Um, I'm like, yes, I, I do that. Like I already do that. And so for instance, right now we're still, I think in the yang phase, maybe there's just one more day about three days ago, I have had this, uh, a com- compelling need to sprint. I I'm not a sprinter. I'm a steady runner. Normally I'm just like, I want to sprint and I've been doing it the last couple of mornings and because I just feel like this, uh, this energy and I didn't sleep 
super well last night. But then the three or four days before that, when we were in the yin thing, I was sleeping like nine hours a night. Hmm. It's interesting. And I'm super interested also in women's, you know, our cycles and all that and working with your cycle. But I don't have a good cycle right now. I'm Mm. like, I've, you know, I just don't. I mean, it is my menstrual cycle is completely wacky. Um, And it's always it's never been, but it is now. Yeah. And um, so anyway, again, I I think I'm going to I think I'm going to dive in. It's going to be my summer project. (laughs) Maybe talking about it more. But it's super interesting. Uh, to me right now. And I'll, um, I guess I'll link the interview that she, that I first heard her speak about this. And then I'll link her IG account because her IG account is just really simple and pretty. And it just, um, Mm -hmm. it tells you like, okay, now we're in, now we're in yen and you may be feeling like you need to refill your cup and, uh, and so on. It's interesting. Well, you helped me just understand what you said last week to me. So that makes okay. sense. It yeah. totally makes sense. Yeah. Does it make sense? It okay. does. I, yeah. Like, I don't even know enough to even explain it well, but. Well, I, you, I can go check it out. That's the, yeah. that's, that's the jumping off point. That's kind of like these, uh-huh. with these three things, you know, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that can help people just go find something yeah. um, that might work for them too. Um, so I have the, the third thing is that. This goes along with resistance. I see the theme going on in my life is resistance. And I've been resisting step 11, prayer and meditation. And so uh, a woman from our gratitude circle sent me a link to Sarah Blondin's um, it's a Live Awake podcast meditation. Mm-hmm. So it's on SoundCloud. Uh, I know you can find her other places, but where I found her was on SoundCloud, Live Awake. It's like 10 to 15 minute kind of spoken word meditations her voice is incredible and so I've been starting the morning listening to her for about 10 11 minutes um, was the first one I've been keep repeating that first one because I liked it so much and it's just funny what I resist right so <laughs> why am I resisting this meditation and my friend Natalie recommended this since January the Sarah Blondin and mm-hmm. I was like, I've heard her name. Um, I haven't looked into her either, but yeah, I'm like, okay, Natalie, I'm glad that works for you, which now she's only telling me because it's awesome. Right. Right. <laughs> so why I'm telling I you go get your teeth cleaned? She's like, yeah. <laughs> right. So, um, that goes along with the theme last week of just trying something, um, new and trying, um, and happily being surprised by it. So I've been starting my mornings that way. I did not start it this morning because I had this hot date with you, um, right. but I will listen to it today. And so that was my third, that was my third recommendation. I like that one. I'll, t- I will check her out as well. Um, okay. So my third one is, uh, I did, I said, I did a lot of reading this week and I picked up, I've been working on this essay, no reason, just a you know, self-imposed project. Um, but I've been working on this essay for months now and I had put it down, but I've picked it back up this weekend, um, about finding God in your art. Um, and I've, 
have my own ideas about this topic, but then I have felt compelled to do some research. And so I have been going back and rereading um, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron and The Power of Myth by Joseph Campbell. And I just love both of those books so much. And so um, anyway, I've kind of dived back into that into that project and hopefully I can finish it and I don't know it'll just be up on my blog it's like not going anywhere it's not you I know, love I love our self-imposed uh, writing a thesis <laughs> or anything but <laughs> I love it but yeah yeah so that was it well I'll give you I'll give you whatever gold stars you need um thanks when I read it I love reading your work when you put it out there Thank I like you. finding it before you tell me it's out there yeah I like looking for on the medium too. When you do your medium pieces, I get a little email from medium and I'm like, Oh, Sandra has something up there. I didn't. Yeah. Well, I think we talked about all the things again. I think that was good. good. Um, I was talking about we, the three things that we do here at the end, like our little favorite stuff. And we were calling them the recovery slash, um, creativity or sobriety toolbox. Like a little, that's clunky. A little bit clunky. <laughs> So now I can't remember what we came up with. I know it has the, the unruffled toolbox. The right? unruffled toolbox. Thank you. Oh, God. My brain. 46. Okay. Um, the unruffled toolbox is what we're going to call it because when I looked up the word unruffled again, I keep having to do it for some reason so it can be burned on my brain because um, I love it. Then I forget. I'm calm, not agitated. So the items in this toolbox will help you hopefully be calm and not agitated and that you can pull from it whenever you need. Like listening to us, right? Hopefully that makes people calm and not agitated. Not agitated. <laughs> and if it is agitating, <laughs> turn us off. <laughs> if you don't like a lot of giggling and us gushing over each other, well then, <laughs> too bad for you. <laughs> All right. I got to get going here. Have a okay. great week. This is so fun. You <laughs> I'm sure that I will talk to you again. I don't know. Tomorrow. Like in an hour. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Bye, friend. (laughs) Bye. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by NMMD. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designer, Chris Vickery. Thanks for listening.